Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today we are reviewing a film that just came out not too long ago and we are reviewing Gemini Man today. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? Sure. An over-the-hill hitman faces off against a younger clone of himself. Okay, so in true sweet tradition, our own summaries of Gemini Man. Mine is a slow-paced, adrenaline-reducing action film. (laughs) Wait, well, say it one more time. I need to catch every bit of that one more time. (laughs) A slow-paced, adrenaline-reducing action film. (laughs) Adrenaline-reducing. What every action film strives to be. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Mine is... An interesting premise that falls flat in the land of classic action flick tropes. Mmm. Interesting. All right. So it was interesting going to the theater to watch this film because I knew that it hadn't done really well in the box office. It hasn't made Mm -hmm. that much money. A lot of the reviews of it are not great as well. So I'm like, okay, well, we're off to see this movie, yeah, which apparently no one wants to see and is also not good. Um, I think it opened the same weekend, if not very close to the same time as Joker. Right, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that did not that that not help at all. But um, yeah, what were your thoughts kind of before going to see this? Were you excited? Will Smith in it? That was kind of the only draw. That's like maybe this will be somewhat fun at least because he's always pretty fun. Um, yeah, I uh, I was excited going into it. Um. I, it's, it's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I, I like the concept. Um, and so even though I haven't seen, um, very many, um, Ang Lee films, I knew that he was an iconic director. He's done a lot of things that are very well regarded. So I was like, okay, interesting premise, good actor, good director. Okay. Maybe this will be good. Um, so I, I was hopeful, uh, though, you know, the actuality was a little bit of a letdown. <laughs> Adrenaline reducing. Adrenaline reducing. <laughs> that, is, that is so great. <laughs> I love the phrase. I don't think any film wants to be adrenaline reducing. Although, maybe. If, if you're doing if you're a really contemplative, film, yeah. Yeah, if you're an action film, you don't want to be adrenaline rooting. No, not at all. If you're maybe like a slower drama or something like that, then Columbus. Sure. Yeah. Let people, yes, let people calm down, breathe, just take it in. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Those were those were intentionally adrenaline reducing. They were very much. I don't feel was intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I I. I wish this film was awesome because the premise is super cool and they're like, there's so much that they could have done with the premise and played around with. Um, Some of the action sequences could have been thrilling when you don't know who you're actually to be rooting for and which one's the right one. It kind of reminds me of the scenes in, I believe it was Captain Marvel where She's fighting someone, but then it turns into into the whatever whatever the name of that creature was. Oh goodness, with the ears that look kind of like elves, but scarier. The scrolls. Sure. Do you yep. remember this? Nope. Where they could turn into different um, people and be disguised. Oh. I was waiting for the yeah. O to come. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's character. Yeah, it could have been like a lot of those scenes were really thrilling because there was this mystery and you were on the edge of your seat to find out who it, who she's really fighting. And I, there could have been so much fun that this film had with the premise of um, fighting yourself or someone that looks very much like you. I think there is also some really 
interesting things that the film could have done with this meta um, implication of fighting yourself and fighting your demons, which the film touches on a little bit and I think tries to do that. But there's also some really interesting meta implications of the premise itself um, in battling and fighting yourself. Yeah, I really wish that they would have done more with it. Like, I agree. I I don't know. It was probably like 10 minutes into the film and I was already trying to rewrite it. Um, <laughs> so that's that's where I was the entire time. But yeah, it, it feels like they had this genius idea and yeah. they they did not use it well. Mm-mm. And it's like, and, and being such a, a, a pioneering film in such, in some ways kind of hurts every other film after it that will tackle the same thing because this film did it first in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just a shame, you know, you want the, such a good idea like this to be great. And it just wasn't. Yeah, and I think going into this film and walking to the theater, I I think that this premise um, could have either been a huge success and been super awesome and thrilling. I was kind of thinking about Inception of just this concept of you never know mm-hmm. where you actually are and, and how the, how much they could play with that. And so when I saw that a lot of the, the reviews were bad, I was like, oh, it's going to be cheesy. It's going to be weird. It's not going to be very thought out. They didn't. They didn't leverage this secret weapon that they had well and I think it it felt like a movie that was stuck between a rock and a hard place it it felt like they weren't trying to make a traditional action movie and they were trying to make like a a thoughtful and contemplative film yeah and one that makes you look inside of yourself and and question you know, yourself or whatever, but it didn't achieve either one. And mm-hmm. so it ends up being this awkward movie in the middle where it's it's a slow-paced, adrenaline-reducing action movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and you just, you don't want to be there. So they, they tried to create something new and in doing so just kind of failed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a shame because some of the, elements and components that this film does introduce and weave into the plot had some some great potential like the the concept of um what is it clay Varis asserting himself as the quote-unquote father of junior and um some of those moments of him struggling with his identity and wanting to be loved and to have that that place in that relationship with his father, but, and the, the confusions of that, like some of those were decently effective and I think could have been really, really powerful um, if they'd executed it with the right timing, um, maybe some better acting with for the villain. Uh, I think it could have been a really interesting uh, moment and could have played into the plot really well. So they, they got like 25% of the way there. It wasn't a total, total miss on all fronts. Yeah, I agree. I think they did they did some things really well, and you can tell that a lot of intention and thought went into it. Um, you just didn't see the full reward uh, as you're watching the film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the other bit that really just stuck out to me the whole time while watching this film that I couldn't get past is the dialogue. Who oh, wrote God. the script? Because it was terrible. It was not great. It felt like the really cheesy lines that are like trying to be funny, but they're just a little cheesy and you just, it just felt so disconnected. Yeah, I, I, I struggled oh. a lot in this film, and there was so much dialogue. Like, so yes, I, yes, I left the theater going like, okay, is there something wrong with me? Like, did I watch 
a different movie than everybody else? Did I have, do I have just like weirdly high standards for all other movies? Like, because there was so much dialogue and it was unnecessary, they were trying to like build this whole world through exposition text and that's not necessary. Like the mm-hmm. whole rule of storytelling is that you show, you don't tell. And they could have taken advantage of so many moments to bring the viewer into what was going on. They could have shown Will Smith's internal struggle without him having to say everything out loud. Like (laughs) that just, that cheapened it. And it's just, it's bad storytelling. If you have to tell the audience, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm looking for peace. Like, they could have encapsulated that in, yes. like, a five-second look. And you would have been like, oh, man, he's done. He is so, he's wrestling with all of these things, and he just wants to be a good man. He wants to be free of this. Like, you could have shown that. You didn't have to tell yes. us that. Oh, and there was a distinct moment where I was like, oh, my gosh, really? Where we see Will Smith in a flashback moment where he's being thrown underwater and um, you can feel his fear. You can feel the desperation of him um, feeling like he's drowning. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I think like two or three scenes later, he's, he's in, he's talking to the, whatever the girl's name is. And he says something along the lines of like, I'm scared of being drowned. (laughs) It's just this baseball moment of like, we actually didn't need to tell us. We already knew that two scenes ago when we saw you have that mm-hmm. flashback and there is this like struggle to get back to the top and be able to breathe. Like we, we got it. We know you're scared of the water. Um, and so that was a moment that I feel like perfectly encapsulates the, wow, we really need, didn't need this to be spelled out <laughs> to us in plain English. Yeah, the, the well, I'm seeking the, peace one was also <laughs> one of those oh moments gosh. too. It was just, it was so bad because you knew that he was frustrated and on his way out after the shot. Like, mm-hmm. so, so when he when he takes that shot and he knows that he did not shoot that bullet well, and that disappointment on his face in that moment, you know that he's done and he's out of the game. You didn't need. 10 minutes of dialogue with that guy for you to understand he's out of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you could have cut all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that, um, there, there are action films that do give you some of that context of like, who is this blah, blah, blah person. He's this yeah. drug king, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's never about someone's internal state the same way that it, this, the film um, does for Will Smith's character. Like, no one is that um, clear-cut with their their heart's inner state most of the time. Um, no one's ever like, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really seeking peace, you know? And so I feel like that is also what made this feel really cheesy and tropey because um, no one talks like that. And it's okay if we get mm-hmm. the backstory of what Gemini is and things like that. Okay, that kind yeah. of, like I can see that makes a little bit of sense because we just need to be um, get getting caught up to speed. But it's the the moments where the internal states of the characters are being spoken aloud that it felt really off and really strange, and it, it kind of really immediately takes you out of the thrill and the excitement of of the moment or the scene. And it also so it felt like this was supposed to be a sort of like coming of age story. You know, Will Smith, the the whole point of the film is that he starts out and he doesn't have peace and he wants <laughs> peace. And by the end of the film, he has peace. Like that's the whole, like the whole time I was watching that scene, I was like, there's the whole point of the movie right mm-hmm. there. Okay. Got it. Nailed it. You're done. Move on. Um, but instead of, like going through this journey with this character, we were just told that's what he got. Mm -hmm. Like even in the end, you know, you don't feel this like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. These people, they're all moving on with their lives. They're theoretically (laughs) going to be healthier human beings who, you know, aren't going to have the U S government chasing after them. Like, okay, cool. 
but you don't feel this emotional connection to them because they've just told you the things instead of letting you experience it with the character. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't this sense of us needing to earn it. And Mm -hmm. while we're on the topic of the ending, let's, let's talk a little bit about the way that this plot unfolds, especially in, uh, Will Smith's character dealing with the like clone version of him. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the, the moment of reconciliation between the two of them didn't feel earned. It didn't feel satisfying Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel connected to Will Smith's personal journey of fighting his own demons and his guilt from all of his 76 or however many it was kills that he had had. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we needed more of his clone doing these terrible things, him watching himself do that and him having to grapple with that. Like I, we didn't get that. It was almost like he met this really like young version of himself. And then there's a little bit of struggle and battle. And then all of a sudden they're now reconciled and, um, junior is ready to leave and betray, um, his whole upbringing. I've, I felt like there could have been more tension built and more Mm -hmm. struggle built throughout. Yeah, I agree. I, and, and the stakes felt so low. Yeah. Like, and, and you knew, or at least I did like going into this, it's like, okay, well, younger Will Smith is not going to kill older Will Smith. Older Will Smith is not going to kill younger Will Smith. So somehow these two are going to have to reconcile at some point in time to get a happy ending at the end. Like, mm-hmm. so just like going into it, there's already this doubt of, eh, they'll work it out. They'll be fine. So when they do it that quickly mm-hmm. and with zero internal struggle, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. You're just going through the motions. And there wasn't really, I mean, I'm trying to think back to the plot now. Was there a clear moment or inciting incident that really pushed um, him over the edge? I, I guess maybe the this, this scene where he goes home to his father, Clay Varys, and they have that whole sequence of, like, I, I was a loving and something, something faithful father. Mm-hmm. And he kind of doubts that and, and whatnot. But... Yeah, the the genesis of the doubt, though, is when when Will Smith is telling young Will Smith all about himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the inciting incident of his doubt. And then Clive Owen's response is the confirmation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was too easy and it was too quick. And I... So while I was rewriting the movie while watching it, I think that there's a (laughs) version of this where you, and it would follow more of your typical action film plot, but I think that there's a version of this where you just jump straight into the action. And if you do that, and, and Will Smith is on the run, but he doesn't yet know that it's young Will Smith. And so you, you can see the audience can know that it's young Will Smith and you can see all of these terrible things that he's done to try and get to old Will Smith before old Will Smith knows. And so mm-hmm. then you, you can see how awful he is, which would make old Will Smith's forgiveness and young Will Smith's, this is very, you know, yeah. turning to him just all that more powerful. I think if you cut out all of the unnecessary dialogue, then you could get there emotionally, maybe a little bit better Mm. and understand that change. I don't know. I think, I think that there's a a way if you just jump straight to the point um, and maybe you could get that contemplative, you know, and peace filled ending that you want. If you start out more intentional and you start out with more action and then you can, weave in the the character growth and character development and all those meta things that you were talking about throughout instead of saying it for two hours yeah yeah and 
while we're in this rewriting the the movie workshop, <laughs> um, the the reveal and the moment where the two of them meet each other is also too easy. Like they're they're he's doing battle with someone, and we we kind of get a a very quick shot, and we realize that it's oh it's younger Will Smith, which. We already knew from the trailers. I didn't watch the trailer, but I watched it after watching the film. And you basically know that that whole premise of him having a clone and all this kind of stuff is going to be part of this story. So what if, I'm just thinking out loud here, what if there was just like a more, a greater buildup to that moment where these two storylines have now collided and you see younger Will Smith doing all these um, kills and all these terrible things, blah, blah, blah. But you don't know if it's flashbacks or if it's the clone. And yes, and I feel like that could be really interesting. You're like, oh, there's this younger version. Is it, is it a flashback or is it the clone that we already knew from the trailer? And mm-hmm. that's the person. And you know what I mean? Like there, there's, yeah. there could, be, could have been some playfulness um, with that, that whole concept. Yeah, and I I agree. Like, so anytime I watch a movie, I'm like, I'm diagramming it in my head, and <laughs> it's it's weird, but it is what it is. And so that reveal happened way too quickly for me, mm-hmm. and it was, and and it was, it was not a large. It wasn't a struggle for. Will Smith to get to the point where he was like, oh, yeah, that's my clone. Like, I would have expected him to really, really struggle with that. Like, if if I was in that position and it was like, that's a person that looks just like me, like, I would be freaking out. Yeah. Like, I, so it was just too, he was too nonchalant about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and the girls, the one that like went to get the little DNA tester, it just it was like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, now we're here. Let's deal with the fact that you have a clone now. Okay, sure. And then even like young Will Smith's acceptance of, oh, I'm a clone. Like what? Oh my god! Can How are imagine? we not having a huge identity crisis right yes. now? And going, no, I'm a real human being. I'm a real person. I'm not a clone. Like yeah. Hi, it's so weird. Yes, yeah, and I think the reveal happens in a moment that also didn't have a lot of stakes either, right? Like he's just—they're just fighting, and it. Oh, the person he's fighting happens to be someone that looks a lot like me. Yeah, there could have been so much more, um, just layered into that or surrounding that, and in a tense moment and then there's a reveal i'm thinking about uh mission impossible fallout and they i think well just throughout all of the mission impossible series there's this like concept of the uh the masks and how they have this technology to make someone look exactly like somebody else and you can like there's the scenes where you think you're talking to this person but then he like rips off his mask and it's revealed who he actually is and those are so fun because as you're watching the scene play out there's this thought in the back of your head of like is this really the person or not or are we about to have an exciting reveal coming up um and it just it's so it makes it so fun to watch a scene because you you feel like there are many paths of where this could go and like this felt so linear like there was only Mm -hmm. one way for this movie to go and it sure did go that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I thought um, while watching this film is that we, we kind of straddle between being invested in Will Smith's storyline and his, his struggle and his redemption and also Junior's struggle and redemption. And... I think our, our our emotional investment is like split 50-50 between the two of them. And I wonder if it would have been more effective to focus on like one or the either. One or the other. One or the either. Ooh, I can't talk today. That's um, true. <laughs> Close enough. One or the either. Yes. Uh, 
because I think that neither of their storylines now feel fully developed or fully compelling. And to a certain certain extent, the clone is is really, to me, could have been just a vehicle or an instrument for the 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 unfolding of Will Smith's storyline. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know that it was effective for us to be invested in both. I feel like you kind of have to be invested in both because they're the resolution of one depends on the resolution of the other. But I think that you're right. I think the main focus should have been on old Will Smith and then young Will Smith was just, it was kind of like a subplot. But I, I feel like if they don't resolve young Will Smith, then you can't resolve old Will Smith. So, which is, yeah, which is, I think, what the film is suggesting mm-hmm. is the redemptive moment for old Will Smith is when he, Junior wants to shoot Clay Varys and he says, don't do it. Like, once mm-hmm. you do it, you're, you can never go back. And it's kind of like him seeing a younger version of himself um, choose a better path than he did. Maybe there's some, like, weird, like, parental dynamic happening here, too, I'm sure, of, like making sure that your kids don't have to live in the same circumstances or make the same mistakes that you did. And that being like mm-hmm. a moment of redemption for you to know that like what's being carried on to the next generation is better than what you did or you, you had. Yeah. But I, uh, I don't know, man, because I feel like we started off the film being invested in Will, old Will Smith and I finished off the film being far more invested in Junior's identity crisis that he's about to have. And I felt like we never went back to revisit old Will Smith. And I didn't feel like there was this moment of fully closing the loop on his story. Like the the guilt that he still has is there. And perhaps the film is just suggesting or assuming that seeing young Will Smith's redemption would be enough. I think... I think you're right. I think that is the assumption that, okay, because I saved okay. the younger clone of me, now I can be at peace. And I, I, think, I think this is the moment where they used dialogue too sparingly, um, where, and I, I, I appreciated that it was that running commentary about um, are you able to sleep? Are you having nightmares? Can you look at yourself in the mirror? Like, I love that they peppered that throughout. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that line at the end when he's like, yeah, I've been able to sleep and I looked in a mirror. I feel like that's supposed to tell the audience that, okay, he yeah. found peace. Yeah. It's resolved. He's fine. But you're right. I, I wish that that resolution would have been a little bit better and I also wish that all three of the characters hadn't won. Mm-hmm. Nobody lost anything in this whole process. And that's, mm-hmm. it's too much tied up in a little bow. And this is not a Disney movie. So I wanted somebody to lose something and they didn't. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, it felt too good to be true and almost in a weird way if there had been some sort of redemption with uh, – a sacrifice along the way, it would have felt earned and it would have felt um, worthy. Marvel does a great job of this. I think they, Mm -hmm. they are willing to have their characters suffer and sacrifice at the end, even after they have won. Um, And I'm sure that's a big reason why their storytelling has been captivating many, 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 many thousands, hundreds, millions of people. But yeah, they, they really do do that well. Um, so that's a really great point. I hadn't thought about the sacrifice piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I, one of the things I did love about this film that I, I just had this thought a lot, and especially in the third act is that it was, it was really beautiful to see these men being vulnerable with each other and, unafraid to voice their struggles and their doubts and their fears and 
the fact that they they don't know who they are and they're are searching for that too and it was really I I I loved getting to see that on the screen of Will Smith and another Will Smith um, <laughs> really bearing their souls together with each other and forming that bond. I thought that was a really, a really uh, beautiful moment to see. Yeah, I, I really appreciate this, this change that we're seeing in films um, like Ad Astra and like this one where it's these, you know, and they're, they're iconic male action yes. stars and they're able to have these really vulnerable moments of of doubt and fear and insecurity that you typically have not seen mm-hmm. and i i think it's such a a beautiful commentary on on our time of what it means to be uh masculine and what it means to be um especially like in Will Smith's case he he's this like hot shot killer marine dude and yeah he's still able to to access his emotions and that's a good thing so i i like you hope that uh we see more things like this in the future mm-hmm. yes yeah it was that was one of the pieces that i was like oh this film did this really well though i can't mm-hmm. i can't lie that was awesome. <laughs> the other thing that I appreciated that the film did didn't go to is uh, having Will Smith and what's her face I don't remember yes, her name at all. Danny. Yeah, end up together in this like uh, yep. super you know over the top moment. I appreciated that they didn't go there. It was kind of hinted at and and all this in very subtle ways, but um, they didn't fully pull the trigger on it, and I really I loved that they did that. Yeah, I appreciated that too. I was worried. Like, I was yeah, me worried. too. Yeah, it really would have been a Disney movie if they ended up and rode off in the sunset together. Yeah. And Junior's now at college. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the action scenes? Yes. What were your thoughts on the action sequences? My thoughts on the action sequences were... I really appreciate John Wick. Uh, <laughs> that's just that's just well what said. I kept thinking. Was, well said. Like, and it, it's just hard. Like, if I hadn't seen John Wick, I would have probably been more okay with the action scenes. And there, mm-hmm. there were a couple moments that I thought were good and and well shot and well choreographed and all that. But most of the time, I was just going like why couldn't you get those choreographers? Like they were so much better. Like yeah. who did y'all use? This wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like the, the appreciation and love for John Wick will just continue to grow as we see more and more CGI heavy action because oh, it totally God. sets the bar for what it feels like when it is authentic and when it is yes. actually done. Um, a lot of the the action sequences in this just felt like I was watching a video game or mm-hmm. something where it I, it was so apparent that it was it was faked and it's not the CGI isn't also over the top enough for it to feel like yeah okay this is obviously going to be CGI the way that Marvel or Star Wars or mm-hmm. um some of the other films are just like very much leaning into it, which is effective in another way. Uh, this one kind of tried to be real and especially in the motorcycle scene. Yes. Uh, oh, it, it, it just looked bad. Uh, it did. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. The no, whole I was time like, I was this just is watching. so dumb. Yeah. It was yeah. just like cringing the whole time. Yeah. Like, how is no one else in this theater noticing how bad this is? Yeah, exactly. And even the, regardless of the actual CGI technology itself, the pacing of it didn't feel thrilling as mm-hmm. well. Like, yep. uh, I was thinking of Fast and Furious. They also have a lot of CGI, but something mm-hmm. about the pacing and the tension and um, the camera work made it 
fun and thrilling, even if you yeah. knew it was fake and trying to be somewhat realistic. This one didn't have that, so it just felt like it was flat. It was like your Coke that didn't have any bubbles in it anymore. You're just <laughs> – yeah. Yeah, it, it seemed like they used CGI in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. So, like, instead of hiring, like, a really good – stunt performer for certain things as a stand-in like they were just like ah screw it we'll just cgi it. it'll be fine mm-hmm. and i'm like nah that's that's not how you should spend your money even though the technology is available like it just it cheapens it and yeah and usually when i when i start to see that then i start playing the game in my head of which okay real yeah. yeah and and that's what I do is I, I, I start dissecting every part of the screen and I'm like, okay, so that CGI, that's fake, that's real. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want a person to do when they're watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It almost is more effective if you just fully lean into it and embrace the CGI-ness and go over the top, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's so hard with a franchise like John Wick out there. Like, those are legit people doing all of those things. <sighs> Makes me want to go back when, and watch it again. Yeah, when you've seen it executed that well and that intentionally and it's all so tight, like, mm-hmm. you're, you're just not going to be able to compare that. It's so satisfying. You can't compete yeah. with it. Yeah. I, this is reminding me a lot of our conversations after John Wick for sure and also after seeing Mad Max Fury Road of just you know mm, that yeah. this feels authentic and we we somehow can just pick up on that this was actually executed and inherently that makes it so exciting and thrilling to watch. Yeah. And I think that's something that the the films of the older um, eras didn't have to struggle with as much because they did have to either – fake it really well or figure mm-hmm. out how to actually do it. Um, and perhaps they struggled with it in a different way that it wasn't CGI, but just the magic tricks that they had to do. Uh, but it, yeah, I think the, we need a John wick chapter four. I know, but the poor guy just let him rest before <laughs> number four. Like if we can just have like a break for him to get over his concussion, he probably has like broken ribs and broken bones, internal bleeding. Like just, just let him recover, <laughs> and then we can have number four. But Keanu's old, so they're just leaning into the oldness factor and just get, they're just building it into the plot. It's fine. So it just it takes longer for him to recover. His body doesn't heal as quickly as it used to. It's right. He'll just sit on the floor and throw knives at people like he did in the opening <laughs> sequence. Minimal effort. <laughs> but even in John Wick, like, you know that this dude is exhausted. You yeah. know that he doesn't want to be dealing with this crap anymore. Like, he is beyond done with this complex world. And yet, there is so little explanation of what's going on. Oh, but you just, yeah. you see it. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Gemini Man could have learned so much from John Wick. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Makes me want to go watch that. But I That'll do have good... to say, in Gemini Man, the the one action bit that I enjoyed some of mm-hmm. was when they were in the catacombs. Yeah. That's the one that I, I thought, thought you were going to say. Yeah. I thought that it was brilliant the way that they had the girl be the one that was lighting the scene. Like, I, that's so smart. Like, she's not doing anything. She's basically useless in that scene. So make her light the whole thing. And in doing so, they made it so much more interesting because you have all the shadows and the light. And Mm -hmm. so that was really fun for me. But that was it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. That was the most thrilling one, especially because they're actually really going at it. Um, Yeah. the, the, The thing I was thinking about during that scene is that for a lot of the shots, we can't actually figure out who's punching who. Yeah. So I don't know if potentially that's intentional. Um, we're just there for the moment. But I also feel like I, I was like, I don't I don't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for here. So it's kind of like watching a football game and they're both wearing like the same colored shirt. And you're like, I don't, there's just men everywhere 
tackling each other. I don't I don't know <laughs> which side uh, I want, and are they winning? Are they not winning? I don't know. So, I potentially it's intentional. So, given given the benefit yeah. of the doubt there, but I think some sort of um, more distinct characteristics for like either one of them could have helped make that feel a little bit more thrilling because a lot of those scenes where I had no idea who to root for, I kind of just checked out a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. I think that that was the big issue with that scene as well. But like you, I decided that that was just an intentional choice, uh, even though I would have chosen differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that really uh, struck me from minute one of this film is <laughs> the color palette. Yes. Can we talk about that for a hot sec? Because for the opening scene, I was really surprised that they had this really bright, almost like high exposure, washed out type of look. Mm-hmm. And I, I was curious why, because it didn't seem right with the mood. And I kept thinking to myself, is this one of their ways of trying to create this sense of like dissonance of like, there's these bright colors and it's sunny and... Will Smith is on these blue waters and yet we're talking about these really serious, dangerous topics. Like, is that part of what they were going for? But then later on, they really do go for the dark and moody look mm-hmm. with a lot of the bluer tones, um, especially in this, the airplane scenes, which just looked so, so CGI. Yeah, they were I just so love bad. Those at all. But I'm curious your thoughts, especially about the opening scenes color palette. It was not what I was expecting, and to me, it felt not cohesive mm-hmm. and not in a good way. Yes. Like, um, gosh, what were we watching that I let? Oh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, mm-hmm. it was very, it was not a cohesive way of filming that film, but for me, it worked, and I knew mm-hmm. that it was intentional, that it was so disjointed. Mm-hmm. And this one, it just, I couldn't wrap my head around why it all looked so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there were, there were a few moments where uh, they were talking and I was like, is that a green screen? Like it looked so yeah. bad that I was yeah. like, that's 100% a green screen. <laughs> and so, so my cynical version of me is like, well, maybe they made everything else match their terrible green screen <laughs> because mm. they didn't know what else to do because it was so bad. Yeah, it just, it didn't, it really didn't help me feel immersed in this scene no. and the mood the way that I think we need to be at the start of a film. I, I felt really out of, out of place and disconnected with what they were talking about with what I was seeing. Yeah. And I feel like I was a lot more engaged uh, during the night scenes. Yes. Agreed. But completely. I feel like those were also most of the action scenes mm-hmm. uh, where there was very little talking. Yeah. Yeah. And to a certain extent, potentially that's also, that was also probably effective because in a lot of, action films we that dark moody tone mm-hmm. already fits and so with like feels familiar so we're like okay yeah I, I know this I can get behind this mood and this um uh plot and and the stakes and all this stuff here but yeah it was strange I, I noticed it particularly in the opening scenes I didn't really think about it I didn't see any of those same bright colors towards the second half yeah, it was a, it was you know when they were in Colombia, I think it was, was it Colombia? Wherever they were, and then in uh, in Budapest as well, and even like mm. the 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 plot devices to get them to those locations was so thin, and it felt so unnecessary that they were <laughs> in these other countries, just I don't know, bebopping around the world casually while people are chasing after them like it it felt so thin in addition to looking terrible yeah it was it's those like action film 
tropes that you're like, we got to go on a world adventure to somewhere cool and different and abroad. Uh, yeah, it felt it, that felt kind of familiar, like we've seen that before. I was thinking about the man from Uncle in the Hungary scenes uh, because a lot of the colors and the brightness kind of reminded me of the man from Uncle. But the the difference is that the man from Uncle was so stylized, yeah. like Guy Ritchie threw his whole weight into that and was like, we are going to make this over the top and this color palette is going to be bright and in your face and you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. And this was just like, we're going to be bright for no reason and we're going to kind of do it. Yeah, the level of intentionality, I think, is what was missing. Whether, like, they yeah. could have been just as intentional, but for whatever reason, it didn't translate over. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the things that I, I that stuck out to me so much about this film that, like, took me aback is when the opening credits were rolling and you see the names of Chinese studios and mm-hmm. I was so intrigued and fascinated by that. I don't know. I'm trying to think about the last film that I've particularly noticed that in. Uh, potentially, I don't remember what the farewell, but there were two. One was Alibaba Studios. Yes, I noticed that one. The other was Fosun's Pictures and Alibaba Pictures. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of research after coming out of the, the, the theater and Smith is going to go to China. They're doing this big promotional tour. Um, wow. I think it's probably no coincidence that Ang Lee is also directing this. So there's like maybe some familiarity and some pride there in seeing a mm-hmm. Chinese director create this film. Um, what was also really fascinating in my research was that the release date, date that they cho- chose for this to be released in China is a prime um, date. It's the first full oh. weekend after China's national holiday week, which I then did some more research. It's <laughs> I'm just reading some quotes now. It's an annual festive period that starts October 1st and is the time of year stuffed with patriotic films celebrating the 70th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic. And so the weekend following the holiday is shortened. And um, so there's like this prime slot where we've just come off of like these films and like we're rolling into this mm-hmm. one and so they've really they were really intentional about choosing the release date for this film in china wow which is so fascinating to me um i don't know the last film i saw that has like struck me in that way or that i've particularly noticed um it is a direct directly in conversation with um the book that I finished reading a couple months ago called the, I think it's called the big picture. It's essentially like, what is the future for um, films and for Hollywood? And uh, there was a whole darn chapter dedicated to how a lot of what is chosen to be made and then what is funded is determined by the Chinese market. And that a lot of the Mm -hmm. big Chinese companies are wanting to fund films or have um stakes in certain films because they see that as a way to control culture which is like that third um uh frontier that they are looking to conquer and so i was like oh my god everything about that i read a couple months ago is like totally coming to fruition (laughs) in this one little uh exhibit and case study for it it was nuts i was so taken aback yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed Alibaba as well. And I also, um, I also noticed Jerry Bruckheimer as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was such an interesting experience just watching those two things together on a film. Yeah. And I, I just, I had so many questions. <laughs> like, yeah. How did, how did all of this work? What's going on here guys? Um, but I think, I mean, you're completely right, and your book was completely right. Like, 
China is, you know, what the the second largest economy in the world and has such a a massive influence throughout the world. It only makes sense that, you know, they would also control a lot of the things that Hollywood does, mm-hmm. or at least they're beginning to have a very, very large influence in Hollywood as well. Yeah. We'll see continue to grow. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if this film makes a ton of money in China, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't make a lot of money in the States. Like a lot of the Fast yeah. and Furious films may not be huge money makers in the States, but they are wildly popular in China. And so mm-hmm. I mean, they've got the Will Smith star power, which Chinese audiences have seen in many other films. And so there's that familiarity there as well. Like this film might be a, a commercial success if it's not an artistic success. And I wonder if that that could be maybe one of the reasons why we we didn't see something like you know, a romance between Will Smith's character and Danny's character and Mm. why they made certain choices that they did when, if it was a purely American action film and you were targeting American audiences, you might've included different things in there Totally. than actually ended up on screen. Yeah. Oh, be interesting to see like in the alternate universe, uh, (laughs) what this would have been as a like if it was primarily and solely marketed to a u.s audience what the different decisions would be Um, yeah but we will never know the alternate reality (laughs) nope we live in this reality we need the time stone from (laughs) from (laughs) the infinity gauntlet (laughs) oh man all right is there anything else about this film or that was in this film that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to mention or did we hit it all? There are two things that I want to mention. Okay. One is an audience shout out. And then the other one is, did you notice how much product placement there was in this film? I did notice that there were a few. The, the Stella Artois beer one mm-hmm. was one that I noticed distinctly. I didn't yeah. think of any other ones. Okay, what so. What were some of the other ones? Give us the Easter um, eggs. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, it was probably, like, 12 hours later. I was like, I'm going to make a list because I'm still bothered. So, we had Chevy, Ford, Stella, Coke, twice, Budweiser, twice. Also, why in the hell would a rich man with a boat like that be drinking a Budweiser? I call BS on that one. (laughs) Um, Blackberry, Honda, and... Tesla. I know that there are a few others oh that God. I missed, but the fact that so many hours later, I can remember all of these products that they showed, <laughs> that's a problem. Well, you are the target market of the marketing teams because I remembered Stella and that was it. <laughs> so I do play the game of product placement when I watch things. Okay. All so, right. but I feel <laughs> that is like fascinating. usually, especially in movies, usually they're a little bit better about it. And it's not like this, I don't know, every one of them felt so heavy handed mm-hmm. and it, it just all felt so obvious. And it, you know, it'd be like the product is in the center of the shot with the logo facing you. Like it just... It felt like it was a, a commercial for the product as opposed to an actual mm. film that there just happens to be a Coke on the table. No big deal. So I was bothered by it. Yeah. The Stella moment, especially they, they really like paused and mm-hmm. like took a slow, long shot for that, um, for you to really, I mean, that's the one that stuck out to me. So it was effective, but, um, yeah, they really took the time and planned around that moment and I'm sure all the other product placements as well. Yeah. So I, I wonder why, like, Mm. why, why was that necessary? Like, I know, I know like smaller films do that obviously so that they can, you know, get the money for their, their movie, but it just, 
it, it's weird to see it to that level on the big screen like this. Mm-hmm. It yeah. felt almost Out unnatural. Yeah. 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 A little forced. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe they needed so, funding help. I don't know. That's what that's what I wonder. And then I, I also wonder if again, like going into the Chinese market, if I was it's thinking more about that, yeah. acceptable maybe there or it's more palatable there. Um for audiences to experience such overt product placement like that. Mm. Like had the, this been solely for a, a US based audience where we are just so perceptive to a lot of that and our tolerance for it might be a little bit lower. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting thought. That we will probably never know the answer to. So, nope. you know, nope. it is what it is <laughs> until we get the stone. <laughs> suit okay, up I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you work on that uh <laughs> no you've got to get the other stone you've got to get the blue one whatever the, whatever the blue one is we each have one we have to get oh no this is part of the grand plan and oh, something's gosh. gonna go wrong because one of us isn't gonna come back because something went haywire <laughs> so the other one has to go save the other one and then it's a whole thing and you know then there's Precisely. 42 sequels and it's you know it's fine yes we, actually, we also need to make sure that there's enough plot to fill three hours. So something has to go wrong. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, Three-hour-long movies are so long. Yeah. What was, this, what was the audience shout-out? I always okay, love these. Okay, my audience shout-out. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so I'm, I'm at the 11 a.m. showing of this movie. Oh, my God. But there were people in the theater. I was shocked. Um there were, I, it was, it was a pretty full theater. Granted, it's a smaller theater. So I don't know. There's probably 20 or 30 people. Oh, that's pretty there. good. So yeah, it was, it was a decent size, you know, more than the three or four that I'm accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was, there was a, a black woman sitting to my right. Uh, and while I was leaving, I discovered that she was there with her mother. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a big fan of this movie. She <laughs> also is a big fan of talking during the movie. Oh, no. Um, and so I could hear her. And she was at the other end of the row. So there was a distance between us. And I could hear her talking for most of the movie. And there was, there was this moment. The tension is building. Old Will Smith is fighting young Will Smith. And then there's this, this moment. It was right after young Will Smith poisoned old Will Smith with the bees. Oh, yeah. And young Will Smith asks, do you trust me? And there's this moment of silence where the tension is high. And you're like, what is old Will Smith going to say? And this woman <laughs> shouts, No! And the whole theater just erupts in laughter. And she ruined the most tense moment of the movie (laughs) by shouting at the screen. Oh, that is amazing. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We need our own uh, little cinema paradiso montage of like these hilarious (laughs) moments where you get to. You really are communally watching this. <laughs> we really were. And and she had a, a few other moments where she shouted at the screen, but that no was that got a big laugh that from is most adorable. of the theater. So oh my gosh. She she had a great day while they were leaving. She was like, you know, I wonder if people are gonna go see that again. Shoot, I'm gonna go see this again. That was a good oh. movie. Like she had a great time. Uh, so that is my shout out. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad this is really enjoyable for certain people. They, she reminds me yep. of those people that, you know, when you watch a sports game and there's just the people that are just, they're really interacting with the game. They're telling people See, what to do. They're telling them. I'm one of those which, people. Uh, yes. I <laughs> love those kind of people because they make watching it so fun. Um, so of all movies to spoil, this was not a bad one to, oh, yeah. to ruin. 
It's like it's it's built-in entertainment. It yes. was great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so great. In my theater, this is not as fun and exciting as your story, but in my theater, when the third Will Smith clone is revealed, there was a straight up like gasp in my theater, and you could hear one of the <laughs> ladies go, "Oh no, no, no." <laughs> It was so great. Oh my gosh. It really made the moment more thrilling for me to like feel her surprise and shock um, mm-hmm. secondhand. <laughs> it was great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, this was our review of Gemini Man. It is still out in theaters. Um, we will be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, we hope you guys have an amazing week. Remember to infuse a little bit of whimsy into your lives and take the time for it. We will see you soon.